Heavenly Father, we pray that you would meet us here right now. Lord, that just as you were present with the disciples at this last meal, Lord, that you will be that present with us tonight. That your words will sink deep into our hearts. Lord, that you would open our eyes and our ears to see you for who you truly are, Lord, who you claim to be, and that that would change the very nature of our being, Lord, that we would become more and more like you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. If you please be seated. So we kind of have said this earlier, and it's one of those things that I think is the more we hear it, the more it helps to set our hearts in the right posture as we enter tonight. Because tonight is that night that Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room. Tonight is the night that Jesus gave us the holy meal of the Lord's Supper. Tonight marks the beginning of a sacred three days of the celebration of the Passion the death, and then ultimately the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This initiates, tonight initiates a time of watching, of waiting, a time of contemplating as we enter into the commemoration of the mystery of our redemption. Tonight is a night that holds such great significance that ushers us into these final days of Holy Week, these days that began with Palm Sunday. They initiate us and help usher us into the final hours of Jesus' life that leads to his death. That leads to the worry and angst of his disciples, but then leads to his resurrection and overcoming of sin and death in the grave. Now this night has a lot of things that, that take place in it. There's a lot of things that Jesus really compacts into one final gathering. And we're going to kind of focus and hone in on one of those, and that was what we, uh, was highlighted in our gospel reading tonight. And that's the Lord's Supper, the institution of the meal that helps to draw us into the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Now, what's, what's fascinating when we read this is that Jesus longed to share this meal. He had been waiting for it. He said, you know, Luke says that he earnestly had been longing for this. Earnestly. The looking at, at, at the Greek, it's like, it's almost like two words back to back. It's like he earnestly, earnestly waited for that. He longingly waited for this. He had desired this in his heart. This is something he had longed for, something he planned for. As we read just a little bit earlier, he had sent the disciples and said, hey, go meet the man carrying the jug of water because he's going he's gonna to take care of and, and lead you to the place. Like Jesus had set this in motion. This was something that he had been waiting for. So it's obviously something that carries great weight and significance. And part of what makes it so significant is the claims that Jesus makes about himself. Jesus says a whole lot about who he is in these coming verses. He claims at the beginning of verse 14 
that when the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him, and he said that he earnestly desired to eat this Passover before he was to suffer, before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Continuing the verse 9 then, he says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, These may sound familiar to some of you. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he does the same with the cup, and that's repeated in Matthew. It's repeated in Mark. These are things that the gospel writers are sure and in and, and particular to highlight for us. He says, do this in remembrance of me. I'm getting ready to suffer. Do this to, to remember me. These are huge sacrificial terms that are being used here. Huge sacrificial words that Jesus is saying. He notes that his body will be given for them. That Jesus will be giving himself. Not in, and this isn't just a metaphorical giving. He's not just saying, hey, I'm going to metaphorically do this so that you can then you know, feel better or receive something I have to give. No, he's, he's literally going to give his body up. We're going to see in the coming chapters, and especially as we look into tomorrow night, the, the pain that Jesus went through, the depth of him giving himself for us. The bread re represents a real offering, a full body offering. He also tells of the blood which is going to be poured out. And again, not that he's going to metaphorically or, you know, kind of... Uh, symbolically pour out his blood. His blood is literally going to be spilled. This is the suffering that he talks about. I wanted to do this because I know the pain that awaits for me. He's telling his disciples what's about to happen. He's telling them what to expect. He's telling them exactly what to be waiting for. Not just because of persecution, not just because people are angry at what Jesus is doing, but because this is what has to be done. This is what has to be done for salvation, for the sake of salvation, for theirs, for ours. Pain awaits him. Pain awaits him. And he's making these claims of that pain to come. But he's making other claims too in these, these phrases here. There's another claim, hey, I'm going to suffer. But he's also making claims about his identity as Christ the Savior. He's making claims about his identity as God, which is a pretty bold claim, right? Normally, when we, we hear these words, we probably think about this. We do this in remembrance. We remember those things. But Jesus is saying something big here, that he will not eat again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, this passage, Luke notes, takes place at around the time of the Passover. So the Passover is in view. It's in mind. It's right there to remember. The Passover meal was always eaten in remembrance of what God has done, right? The Passover meal was eaten to look back at the way God delivered his people from Egypt. They were in physical, literal slavery, and the Passover meal, the, the spotless lamb, the blood of the spotless lamb that covered the doorframe that we heard in Exodus today, the process that they went through, the meal that they ate, was done to help 
mark his people as those that would be saved from the judgment that was to come. Do that in remembrance of what God had done then. That's a theme with the Passover. We look back to what God has done. We see in Joshua that they do, as the, the Israelites, they pass over the Jordan River and they part the, this, God parts the sea just like the Red Sea. They walk over dry land in the Jordan. They go to the other side and they build a, a, a memorial for what God has done there and bringing them across the river. And he they do that, and it says, uh, it's recorded in Joshua that they do that so that when their children ask their parents, they can tell them of what God did back then. They can remind them of what he did. So we see this theme taking shape that you do things in remembrance of what God has done to save his people. And Jesus here at this meal is saying, do this in remembrance of me. He's not saying, do this in remembrance of what God has done. He's saying, do this in remembrance of what I have done. Jesus is now placing himself in the same sentence and thought and realm and being as God himself. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I must admit, a lot of times, if I'm honest, when I come to communion... And when we celebrate communion and we take of the, the, the bread and the wine, I don't always think about Jesus and the deity that he claims to be in that. I usually think about the action and I miss sometimes the person, who Jesus is. I can miss the fact that he's saying, me, do this in remembrance of what God has done, what God has done for you. Remember that. So the Lord's Supper is not just about what Jesus did, although, like, that is part of it, yes. But it's also about who Jesus is claiming to be. This is why it matters. If Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then that sacrifice wouldn't have been good enough for it all. And it's the fact that he makes that claim that makes that sacrifice of him being the pure spotless lamb, the only true sacrifice once and for all. So his disciples are there with them. So what do they, how do they respond? This is pretty, this is big stuff, right? This is a massive claim. If someone else said, hey, by the way, I'm God. Do this in remembrance of what me, God, has done for you. I think we might have a few conversations with that person. But what do his disciples do? How do they react? They've spent three years walking with him, miracles, all this stuff. How do they respond to him? Well, it says here in verse 22, For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe that the man by whom he is betrayed. And they, his disciples, begin to question one another, which could be the one to do this. And then a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was going to be regarded as the greatest. Their response to hearing about any of this, the first thing that they are recorded responding to is, hey, someone's going to betray me. And then they start arguing about who it's going to be. And that argument progresses into, well, which one of us is the greatest? When Jesus is talking about giving of himself sacrificial, life-sacrificing, the response of the people, his closest friends gathered, gathered with him, is one of, well, which one of us is the greatest then? They begin to posture. 
they miss what he said. They miss what he's going to do. They miss who he's claiming to be. Jesus even, I love this, Jesus even attempts to get them back on track. In verse 27, he says, for who is greater? And he goes through that whole thing about like, hey, but I'm among you as the one who serves. He's trying to reframe it. But then later on, they go back to arguing. They miss it. They're, they're right there with him, closer than any of us are right now. And they miss Jesus. They miss it. I'm, it's important that this Maundy Thursday serves as, as a service to help us see Jesus. To help us not to miss who he is. So how can we do that then? How can we make sure that our life in Jesus, that we know that our life is in him? How do we, how do we see him for who he is as the provider of all things, life, salvation, and all? That's what's great about today. This is one way we can do that. It's Holy Week. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, all serve and work together to help set our hearts and our minds in the place to where we can see Jesus for who he is. But as David said earlier, to help slow down. To slow down so that we don't get distracted as we see the disciples, they get a little distracted. They get sidetracked. And so can we. These services help to center us, to help ground us, to help slow it down. To see Jesus as the pure spotless lamb whose blood has atoned for the sins of all. And that's also what we have communion for. The Lord's Supper. That Jesus initiates this meal as a reminder of who he is, as a reminder of what he's done, the links and the cost that he paid for us. It reminds us of his presence. It reminds us that Jesus is present with us. The communion is a reminder of the incarnation that Jesus was the word made flesh. God made man here. And that's who died. That's who suffered. My hope and my prayer is that we don't miss that. I believe our hope and our prayer as we go through the rest of the service tonight, we'll see that Monday Thursday helps to center us so we don't miss Jesus. And in a few minutes, we'll be taking communion. We'll be taking part in the Lord's Supper, that meal that was instituted on this night. That was a reminder of the Passover meal, that it didn't just start there. It was a continuation of what God has been doing since the beginning. And we'll take part in that meal. We'll take the bread and we'll take of the wine. And may we remember who Jesus is. That as the words are spoken, do this in remembrance of me. That we see Jesus, the pure spotless lamb, the word made flesh, the one who has come to redeem us, to secure us, to save us. So don't miss Jesus. May we open our eyes 
And may the Lord and the Holy Spirit open the eyes of our hearts to see Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our King. Amen.